Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shio Kapade here with Ben Solak from the Ringers. Philly special Eagles. Three-point favorites. Somehow, three-point favorites going to Tampa Bay in the wild card round. Solak, let's get into it. Let's start with the Eagles offense. The Eagles offense mm-hmm. versus this Bucks defense. What are you keeping an eye on? What are you looking for in this matchup? Jalen Hurts against the Blitz, right? I mean, that's been the story for him for much of the season. It was the story when they faced the the Giants and Wink Martindale with his Blitz-happy defense. But even when they're facing non-Blitz-happy defenses, he's really, really struggled against heavy pressures. Hurts has faced more six-plus man pressures this season than any quarterback in the league, according to next-gen stats. And he's 30th in, in, in expected points out of per attempt. He's 31st in completion percentage over expectation. The Eagles just don't have an answer. They, structurally, they don't have an answer in terms of their scheme. And then Hurts, as, as, as a player, when he gets blitz he kind of short circuits and he just runs out of the pocket and he drops his eyes and none of it's good he's going up against a todd bulls team that blitzes at one of the highest league rates their top five in, in, in pressure rate on blitzes and against bowls over the course of his career hurts as a career uh, success rate of 36 percent. i mean this defensive coordinator has given him struggles at every turn every time that they've played and yeah they played earlier in the season week two and the eagles won and controlled that game but the bucks are a lot better on both sides of the ball than they were in that performance this is not a good uh scheme matchup x's and o's for the eagles at all and so hurts against the blitz is the story if they can hand the ball off 25 times and stay out of third and long then then they can survive but the moment they're getting to third and pass bowl is going to heat them up and there's no reason to believe the eagles have a solution for that just none yeah these two teams played in week three and it was one of the eagles best offensive performances of the season i mean they had 470 some yards but your point is a good one bucks did not have corner carlton davis in that game i think corner jamel dean left in the second half of that game they didn't have first-round right. pick, defensive tackle. Elijah can't see in that game. And it was like a throwback Eagles game where they got the ball with 9.22 left in the fourth quarter and didn't give it back. Remember, Ben, last year we talked about those types of things? They Run the ball, it. close games out. Yeah, that hasn't happened so much this year. So I am interested in can the Eagles run the football in this game because these are both, I mean, the, the Bucks' run defense is good. Eagles' rushing offense hasn't been as consistent, but still like a top-five unit Uh, In terms of efficiency, they were able to the first time. I'm not so sure they're going to be able to do it here. And then to your point, when they get in obvious passing situations and Bowles is able to heat them up, I mean, it has been so... It really might be the biggest indictment of the Eagles coaching staff this year that in Week 18 against the New York Giants and a defensive coordinator in Wink Martindale, which literally all we talk talk about, anybody about Wink Martindale within the first... 10 seconds of, mm-hmm. oh, he loves to blitz. Doesn't matter who he has. He will blitz, blitz. And the Eagles had no plan for it. I think 
Jalen Hurts in that Week 18 game had 13 dropbacks against the Blitz, and they didn't have a first down. And so I think you laid it out correctly. Uh, I will blame the coaching and the staff and the scheme for not having good enough answers. I will blame Jalen Hurts for when the answers are there, not taking them. I will blame the running backs for not knowing their assignments in pass protection and not being able to hold up uh, in protection there. I will blame the wide receivers for get your freaking head around when the opponent is as a zero blitz on you need to help your it's so right. it's all these things and it really is like how is this not the one thing you've been coaching uh for a while here so yeah i think that absolutely is the number one thing to watch in that matchup yeah the wide receiver point is funny because you get your head around when they blitz that's the issue is that stru- the structural answer for the eagles is to throw the nine ball right so throw the go route one-on-one when they get blitzed and that you know as as nick sir honestly famously told us against the seahawks it's a high percentage play for them which it's not because it's a nine ball down the field. Um, and you don't know what percent of health you're getting of A.J. Brown, right, who, who uh, hasn't practiced at, at different points over the course of this week, hopefully going to play. Is he going to be 100%? He's your nine ball solution. And so if he's in any way gimpy or limited and you're not able to play for stretches, what have you, I mean, your your structural advantage is now even worse than it already was. It was pretty bad to begin with. And so there uh, they have there's no reason to believe they're going to suddenly come out on Monday night and be like, we've had a blitz answer. Because they've had two years to figure this out, and they haven't done it. Hurts playing with an injured finger, by the way. Also not great. Yeah. Injured his finger. Great, great vibes. Love yeah. the vibes. There you go. That's the offense. All right. I, I hesitate to even ask you about the other side of the ball because it's like, mm-hmm. it's so absurd. I, I said after last game, and I believe it, it is the worst Eagles defense I've seen in my lifetime, the way they're playing right now. So uh, box offense versus Eagles defense. What are you keeping an eye on other than will this Eagles defense continue to be a complete disaster, a complete train wreck under Matt Patricia? Yeah, complete disaster, complete train wreck. But yeah, fortunately, they have a, a defensive play call, a lot of postseason experience shield and Matt Patricia. It's just a great, you know, it's what what what, what you can use, what a sign for them. Nick Foles uh, no, famously dropping 41 on Matt Patricia's head yeah, years ago, by the way. There we go. Love it. Uh, sure, the, the pass rush could show up and, and, and oh, we're going to dominate right now. I think that folks don't realize that the uh, the Bucks tackle situation is really strong. Tristan Wirfs moved from right tackle to left tackle. has had a lights-out season. Luke Gadecki, who is a second-year player for them, was an interior player previously, now at right tackle. Shaky to start the season. Again, different Bucks team than the Eagles played in Week 3. A lot more steady now than he was been playing well on the outside. Uh, so they're at a spot, tackle-wise, where I think that they're well-equipped to handle the Eagles' pass rush, which obviously hasn't been as intimidating as you'd expect. The win for the Eagles is at the interior. That's where the Bucks are a little bit weaker, and Eagles, you know, with, with, with their defensive tackle investment, should be successful. But we've been saying that for six, seven weeks, and it hasn't been true, right? So there's no reason to carry those expectations. And then you have a, a, a passing offense uh, uh, organized by Dave Canales, who's a, uh, you know, Seah- via the Seahawks, Shane Waldron, Sean McVay, tree of a branch of a, a leaf, you know, kind of in, in that system. They work the middle of the field well. They'll, they'll, they'll get their in-breaking routes, and they'll, they'll take advantage of your linebackers and your safeties in the ways that all teams can against the Eagles. They work that area of the field, and even if they can't, if they're struggling, they get their one-on-ones on the outside with Mike Evans and... No, not the good corners in the league don't stop Mike Evans, let alone the corners that the Eagles are fielding, whether that's Darius Slay, James Bradbury, or what have you. And so there's uh there's 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 very little in the back seven the Eagles have to answer any questions. So it's becoming an increasingly tough unit for which to give analysis. You just say the same things week over week. Worth noting Reed Blankenship, Sidney Brown, right? They've got injuries at safety too. So they might be playing even more new players, Tristan McCollum in the secondary. Well, it's not gonna be pretty. What Solak was trying to say is the Eagles can't stop the run, they can't cover. They can't rush the passer. They're not well coached. They don't tackle well. And the players seem uh, 
didn't have no idea what they're supposed to do on any yeah. given play. Oh, Other and they get lined things, up wrong. I right. think they got yeah. a shot here. And yeah. and they don't even win pre-snap. They get lined up wrong, and no. they don't know who's got responsibility. Yeah, no, they can't. But other than up. that, they're good. There are some snaps where at least everyone has their mouthpiece in when the ball is snapped. Not every snap, but I would say over 50%. So they've got that uh, going for them. I've said I would go go find your whatever the top high school program was in uh, Philly this year. Go grab that playbook. Give me a cover one, cover two, cover yeah. three, cover four. Those are the four things we're playing in this game. You know, you can even just put up the number on the sideline, Maddie Pencils. You don't even need to have that. No one needs to wear the green dot. Just put up the number. That's what we're playing. Honestly, Ben, I actually might genuinely believe this. If they just said we're playing cover two on every snap in this game, I think they might have a better chance than whatever they're doing. You could tell the box before the game. This is what we're doing. Here's where you can attack. Right. I just can't emphasize enough how confused these players are and that's and i feel bad for them because this is like their livelihood yeah. this is their film it's not going to reflect well on them they don't know what they're supposed to do on any given play and that is again that is on the coaching that that reflects the coaching when the players do not know what to do on any given play and so um there, there's i remember to, yeah go ahead mid-season we were talking about this when it was still decide and the vibes were still good and they were still winning games but they just couldn't they couldn't uh, overlap in zone coverage right when you play zone you need to be all your defenders need to be on strings right they need to be connected to one another and so when the safety gets pulled this way the linebacker starts to fill the void and the nickel comes to fill the void and and everybody moves in concert they weren't doing this when they were good man and like that's like not like coverage bust in motion but that's the little stuff but that's the stuff that's on film right we're like all right this, this defense, they don't work together at all. They're trying to follow the rules, but they haven't played together for long enough. They're not well enough coached. They don't know their landmarks. They don't know their rules. It was already a mess. Now they've had a defensive coordinator change. They've had more injuries, and the vibes have massively deteriorated. So they are, right, defensively, yeah, like there's 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 nothing coming around the mountain. The same thing with offense, but defense especially. There's nothing coming around the mountain. They've already tried all the coming around the mountain stuff, and nothing's there. This is just going to be a bad unit for however many weeks they play. Yeah, you need like some... Uh, Lukiness, I don't know if that is the right word, but Baker Mayfield will make high degree of difficulty throws. There will be takeaway opportunities. So that's like the type mm-hmm. of success you're talking about on defense. I mean, uh, sure, on paper, you could say maybe their pass rush gets home, but we've been saying that for like 10 weeks now, uh, and yeah. it hasn't happened. All right, uh, your prediction, Ben, as we speak here, Eagles are three-point favorites on the road at Tampa do they steal a win and then get blown out in the divisional round? Or does this whole collapse just come to an end in Tampa? What do you got? Yeah, they're going to lose this game. They're the, they're the worst <laughs> team going in. Uh, they're, they're, they're the worst team going in. They're on the road, and their arrow is pointing down while the Bucks' arrow is pointing up. Bucks have had like even two shaky offensive weeks in the back-to-back weeks, and I would still say their arrow is collectively pointing up relative to the Eagles. Bucks are going to score a lot of points. Uh, I think that the Bucks, like uh, the Bucks, might let the Eagles stay in it and hang around the next. And they're going to go run early and try to control the clock, and they're not going to build like a huge lead. But also, like the Giants weren't trying to build a huge lead, and they were up seventeen to nothing. Yeah, like uh, it's not, it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, twenty-eight twenty. I think 28-19 is the sort of game that I expect. I think the Eagles disappoint on offense against Todd Bowles. I think they disappoint on defense uh, against anybody who's got a heartbeat and has got 11 players on the field. And so give me give me 28-19, Eagles lose uh, to the Bucks. I'm with you. Listen, there's a way the Eagles can win this game. I think it would have to be their offense showing up in a big way because I do think uh, with their talent, if they're healthy, um, and, and it's a question whether they will be healthy because their key guys are going to be playing injured in this game, but I do think they can put up points against a lot of defenses in the NFL, just even though I don't like their scheme, I don't like their design, I don't like how they don't do stuff to maximize their most talented players, but just their one-on-ones across the board, offensive line, skill position players, Jalen Hurts, 
that actually is good enough on a lot of weeks uh, to put up points. So that is their path to victory. I don't see it in this game, and I cannot erase from my mind what I've seen on film from this Eagles defense the last two weeks. I mean, it is just hard for me to even picture a scenario where they slow down the box. Now, Baker Mayfield, um, you know, obviously dealing with injuries there, so maybe that works in your favor. The Bucs did not score a touchdown in Week 18 against the Panthers, so it's not like it's this juggernaut of an opponent, but I don't care. I I just watched Tyrod Taylor. I just watched... Um, you know, uh, Kyler Murray is a good quarterback, but they scored four straight touchdowns against this uh, this Eagles team. So the opponent almost is irrelevant to me. It's about this Eagles defense. And so um, I just feel like if they had answers, we would have seen them by now. Uh, we have yeah. not seen them yet. And so I've got Bucks 27, Eagles 23 in this game. And Ben, let's finish on this. If that does happen, what is your expectation? Is this Sirianni conversation? Is it is it dumb to even have that conversation when the guy's gone twenty five and nine the last two years? Or do you think if there is a surprise move that the Eagles have in their back pocket that that's not an absurd conversation? That that they could actually think about making a big change in the weeks ahead if they lose this football game. I think they'll talk about it internally and end up not doing anything. That would be my guess. Is that they, they, I think I'd be stunned if a conversation doesn't happen if Sirianni ends going six the last seven. If the Eagles are in a position where they have to, if they keep Sirianni, they have to replace both coordinators. I think, I and mean, maybe they don't replace Brian Johnson, who got a head coaching interview with the Panthers. But I would imagine they have to replace both, which means now you've had to replace both coordinators in in consecutive years. Once for a good reason, one for a bad. That just makes it really tough to like you know, continue to keep Tyrion as the head coach. He's just going so far into his Rolodex of guys. Uh, and so I think that the conversation has to happen. I think they'll keep Tyrion because overall has been a good enough co- uh, coach with a good enough winning record for a good enough period of time that you think he's net positive. But he's going to obviously have a lot less stable of a job entering 24 than he did when he was entering 23 coming off the Super Bowl game. Uh, and so it'll be a conversation. If they pull the trigger on something... Why not, man? They're the Eagles. This is what they do. Um, but I think they'll likely talk about it and then end up keeping him. I tend to agree. I, I think if they lose yeah. this game, I think I think they've already probably had those talks uh, internally, if I'm being honest. But I think the most likely outcome is they make big changes to the staff. They say, you know what? This guy's made the playoffs three years in a row. He's gotten us to a Super Bowl. Let's not act uh, you know, irrationally here and make a change. But we need to make change with the maybe the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator, maybe with other members of the coaching staff. They know more than I do about that. But I mm-hmm. think that's the more likely scenario. But, man, uh, I won't rule anything out. This, this is an organization. Even when things are going good, there's drama. There's politics. We've seen that over the years. Um, they've had a lot of good years, no doubt about it. But the way they've collapsed here has to have the attention of ownership and of GM Howie Roseman. All right, we'll finish with that. Remember, you can listen to the Ringers Philly special on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. When we come back on the local angle, we'll head up to Boston with the Off the Pike crew as the future of Bill Belichick undecided. Could it be in Dallas? What to make of the Gerard Mayo? Patriot tenure that's about to begin. We'll come right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and joining us now is three-time Super Bowl champ, James White. Of course, James, you won those Super Bowl rings when Bill Belichick was your coach. He's no longer the coach of the New England Patriots. It's been sort of a sad couple of days here in New England. Now the Patriots do have a new head coach in Gerard Mayo. But what was your initial reaction when you heard the news that Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft were parting ways? I was honestly still surprised. I thought Bill would still be the head coach, at least for one more season, you know, let him get the you know, the top draft pick and, you know, maybe they bring in another GM, something along those lines. But I thought Bill would still be the head coach, but it seems like, you know, this was kind of set in place. You know, I've been seeing that they set this in Gerard's contract after he had some head coaching interviews as far as them not wanting, wanting him to leave the Patriots and him being the successor for Bill. So I think the process probably got sped up a little bit because they had a tough year this season. But yeah, it's still still hard for me to see, you know. Ever since me, you know, growing up, Bill Belichick's been the, the head coach in the New England Patriots. I got to play for him. So it's just different times. But there's a lot of, you know, great head coaches leaving the game of football. So the game's changing. Well, I want to ask you about some Bill memories in a second here. But last week, you're back at Gillette, and it's the final game of the season, which now is Bill Belichick's final game as the head coach of the Patriots. Of course, they ended up losing to the Jets. You're ringing the bell up in the lighthouse, which, I mean, I'm not the biggest heights guy, James, so I give you a lot of credit for going up there. <laughs> but when you were in the building like that, you, did you didn't have a feeling at that time that maybe something could happen? Did it feel different just because the stadium was empty? I mean, you didn't have any hunch of it then, did you? I mean, I still didn't think, you know, he would be parting ways with the Patriots. It definitely felt different, you know, within the stadium. You know, everybody got a lot of question marks. Everybody has a different opinion on, you know, what direction they want to see the team go, whether keeping Bill, firing Bill, trading Mag, keeping Mag, like all that sort of thing. So, you know, everybody has their whole thought process of, you know, where the future or the organization should go. But it definitely was a, a weird, you know, like feeling in the stadium, even from, you know, like coaches that I know, like they're, uncertainty for them as well they don't know whether they'll be coaching there this for the rest of the year or next season or they or not or where they'll be coaching or for a different you know NFL team or college team whatever so it's a lot of question marks in the air it's never a great feeling as a player or a coach just having that you know uncertainty you know going forward whether you're going to be on football team you know going to next season it's different different position the Patriots have you know have been in in quite some time you know over 20 years so it's I know they, they've struggled you know in the past you know before Bill Belichick but ever since he's been there they won a lot of football games and like I said it's it's hard to sustain that much success for that long which was truly impressive I'm happy I was able to be a part of it but I don't I don't see it being down for long well speaking of that Let's go back to 2014. You're drafted by the Patriots in what the fourth round. So back then, do you get? Is it Bill that calls you? Is or is it somebody else in the personnel department? What was that day like? Was it Belichick on the other end of the phone? It's Kraft who you speak to first. Uh, Robert Kraft, like I'm Robert Kraft from New England. Like obviously, you see the the number pop up on your phone, say like Foxborough, Massachusetts. Oh well, must be somebody from from the New England Patriots. I'm Robert Kraft. You know, we're going to select you here. This is we're going to hand you over to Bill Belichick, and Bill says this few words like, "Congratulations, you know, don't don't go posting on or say like saying anything <laughs> like this. you get the you get the you get that right away like you, like we don't need you doing like all this you know get to meet you in a couple of weeks that type of thing. So yeah, I mean not not too much over excitement going on when when you get that phone call, but you just know when you when you step into that building, it's about business. <laughs> 
Yeah, they had to call Gronk when Gronk was at the draft, when Gronk got drafted, because he's up there with his brothers, like, and they're wearing full football helmets going nuts on the stage. Bill had to calm down Gronk. So at least he didn't have to deal with that, James, if you were celebrating. But so you get this call from the Patriots, you get drafted, as you said, it's Kraft and it's Bill Belichick. But then when you finally get to, what is it, rookie camp or whatever your first experience was, what was it like when you first... Because I got to imagine, like, if it were me, and obviously I, I never could play in the NFL like you, but this is the, at the time, you're going to a team that has the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time. Like, what was the, what were those first moments like when you got there when Belichick was the coach? It's very surreal. I mean, you, like, obviously you see these guys on TV, you know, growing up when you're playing in college, and then you get drafted by a team like that. And we have Tom, we have Gronk, we have Darrell Reavers, Brandon Browner, you got all these Julian Edelman, all these guys who have had Chandler Jones, who's balling, Rob Ninkovich, you know, Dante Hightower, you know, guys who I've watched, you know, from afar, but just never, you know, been that up close with those guys. You just step in the room. He's like, like, first, these dudes are a lot bigger than me. These dudes have already been playing at, you know, at a high level in the NFL. Like, you kind of want what they have, not like saying, like, I'm trying to steal, like, their shine, but like, I want to have the success that these players have had individually and as a team. I just want to be a part of it. And you're, you're definitely, like I said, starstruck at first, but you see the work that they put in you know, on a day-to-day basis from coaching staff, from players, like the preparation aspect, you just learn so much. And if you're able to soak things in and not let the moment be too big, I say you, you become a better football player. Did you ever get chewed out by Bill? I mean, every, everybody has, 100%. At some point, I mean, I probably got chewed out le- much less than other people, but everybody, everybody's got it, but... <laughs> Like my one of my, I always forget to share this story. Like my one of my first interactions with Bill, I actually came to like rookie minicamp and like all that stuff late because of like the graduation with Wisconsin. I couldn't come there very early or something, so I got there like the second day of rookie minicamp. And when I got there, I couldn't even practice the first day, so I was just like out there, you know, watching the running back drill, standing next to the you know, Ives and all the other rookie running backs, the two other guys that were there. I'm watching the drill. Bill's over there watching it too. He's like. I had to wait to get a, a physical like later that day. He's like, "There's nothing wrong with you getting the drill." Like, 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 all right. And I just hop in the drill, like not warmed up or anything. Just like, all right. I guess it's just the way things go around here. It's like I was just you know trying to follow the rules, but I guess <laughs> you know you say go, I'm going. And that's like so, one of my <laughs> first interactions. <laughs> that's hilarious. So he knew that you didn't have the physical, but he. So I and he's like, you're okay, so just go in. Yeah, nothing wrong with you. Just get, get in the drill. I'm like, right, well, I guess I guess this is how I'm going to start my Patriot career. You know, I don't need a physical. I mean, nothing was wrong with me, but trying to follow the orders of what they told me to do. I said I couldn't practice. I'm not I'm not stepping out there. That's hilarious. That's awesome. So how about when? Because obviously, I remember after the 28 to three comeback against Atlanta, you. 14 receptions, you set the record, you had 20 points, which Jalen Hurts, unfortunately, last year tied your record. I wish Jalen Hurts didn't do that because they lost the game anyway, so I don't know why he would want that type of record. But you're tied for the most points in the history of the Super Bowl. And we've talked about it before. A lot of people thought that you should have been the MVP. They gave it to the Brady guy. But Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, he gave you a truck, right? Like after that Super Bowl, he gave you a truck. Did Bill say anything to you after that game? Because that's like one of the great performances that we've seen from a Patriot in Super Bowl history. Another funny moment with Bill, like, yeah, like obviously everybody's on on the field. We're all celebrating, 
I mean, you just randomly bump into different people from the team at certain points. And then, like, I bump into Bill. Obviously, like, we, we embrace each other and all that. He's like, like who would have thought you were, you were inactive two years ago in the, you know, in the Super Bowl? Like, that's, like, one of the first things he says to me. I'm like, yeah, who would have thought that? And now, you know, obviously played a big part in this one. But he just – you never know what's going to come out of Bill's mouth. But he's a – I say he's the ultimate motivator and great coach, man. He He's going to demand the best out of you. Not everybody – can handle the the type of coaching and the criticism, things of that nature. But if he's coaching you hard, that means he knows, you know, you have a lot of potential and that he wants you to be better and he wants you to be great. So that's how I always, you know, tried to handle the coaching from Bill Belichick. Yeah, in 2014, that was Shane Vereen, who ultimately yep. you would take over for him after, I forget, who did he sign with? The Giants after the, the Giants, Super yep. Bowl season. And that was like LeGarrette Blunt and Shane Vereen that season with the running yep. backs. So that would have been, 14 was your rookie year. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe he would have been enacted. That's a great. That's a great Super Bowl too. Like the NFL films where Edelman's yelling at everybody to get off the get field. Off. They got to review it, right? That's that was your touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's yelling at everybody to get off the field, yeah. and then Bill Bill comes on the field, and he's like, he's like, they got to review it, and Belichick's like, they did. They did. It's over. <laughs> it's okay. It's then, over. <laughs> yeah, Edelman starts going nuts. I got to ask you about because this would have been your rookie season. Do you remember the Mona Lisa Vito press conference when Bill was talking about Deflategate? Like, was that a conversation in the locker room? Like, what is he talking about when he's referencing my cousin Vinny at a press conference? <laughs> I, I don't remember that exactly, but that that time in that locker room was just it was just very strange. Just like every like every day after that, this is like a a scrum in the locker room. They're asking like everybody questions. They were asking me questions. I'm like, I didn't play in the game. Like, what are you like? What are you asking me a question for? I have no idea. <laughs> you know. <laughs> what has gone on, but like, but like a New York media market every single day in that locker room after that game, it was, it was crazy. I mean, obviously everybody had their own thoughts and opinions on that situation, which had, you know, no variable on that game whatsoever. Ran the ball for like 200 something yards. I don't think a couple PSI or whatever the heck of <laughs> amount that was in a football made a difference in that one. But Hey, there was always something trying to take down the, the, the chance, man. <laughs> yeah, that was such a weird time, too, because obviously we've all we had to read the deflate gate report, which was just an absolute <laughs> joke. And I, I remember, too, like just thinking back to that time. And it was it was incredible because remember, like Bill Nye came out and was talking about it. It's like <laughs> Bill Nye, the science guy. I hadn't seen Bill Nye, the science guy since I was in like third grade. Third grade remember yeah. when they used to like pull those Ro- TVs roll the into TV the, out yeah, on the yeah. wheels? <laughs> I'm like Bill Nye what and then like I believe like you guys the Patriots had like a study from Harvard done so it's like okay which one are you gonna believe the Harvard study or (laughs) Or Bill Bill Nye Nye. that that was just wild at that time but how about so when you ultimately ended up retiring after the injury what did what did Bill say to you then did I mean I'm sure he said something to you but yeah I mean you were you were there in Foxborough when you decided to retire correct yeah I mean He's who I went to first to tell him that I that I planned on retiring and whatnot. And I just kind of told him I I wasn't quite feeling like myself. I was like I hadn't even put on pads or anything yet. I was just doing rehab on the side and everything. And after like a hard long week of workouts and everything, it was hard for me to walk. So I'm like I ain't even got tackled yet and all that stuff. So I can't even imagine you know lasting you know a full season. And for me, I never wanted to step on a field. People be like, oh, that dude needs to sit down. Like he's not like he's not right like that. I don't want to put like bad film out there or you know have people telling me I think you need to you know shut it down that type of thing. But for him, he you know he accepted that what I was saying and he's like like you're probably right and like he just appreciated everything that I had done and whatnot. And then 
they put together, you know, a retirement ceremony for me, which was awesome. Like they didn't necessarily have to do that. I'm not a person who really, you know, cares for like that type of thing, but it was cool, you know, for Kraft and Bill and the whole organization to orchestrate that thing within like a week or so or whatnot. So it was awesome to have that type of ceremony for me. And like I said, he, he said his piece, you know, Kraft said his piece during, during the, the ceremony, you know, he took some, took some jabs at me, said, you know, my, my combine stats weren't very flattering, which they weren't. I mean, I'm not a, not a test guy. So, you know, but that's just, that's just the type of coach he was. Like I said, he, I said, he knows how he knows, you know, what's in you, what the, what to get out of you as a player mentally and physically. All right, James this is awesome, man. Going down memory lane with <laughs> Bill Belichick and the, certainly the end of an era, hopefully the next era, Gerard Mayo can, if it's 25% of what the Bill Belichick era was, <laughs> it's going to be awesome for Patriots fans. Good stuff, Brian. When we come back, we'll head to Chicago as Jason Goff will maybe give us a little insight on what the Bears are thinking. Yay or nay on Justin Fields. That's next. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of the Full Gold Podcast. This will be episode 340 for everybody out there counting. Also, welcome into the local angle folks from FanDuel. Shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook and all the good people out at FanDuel TV. Of course, our pod is presented to you by FanDuel, brought to you by The Ringer. And if you catch us on Spotify, that is the gang. That's where you should be at all times. And we are here on a beautiful Sunday night watching NFL football with everything to say about a league that is continuously giving us mediocre product and we just have to keep eating it and eating it, eating it. Thank God we got a good game out of the four this super wild card weekend, right? Lions and Rams lived up to what it was supposed to. And I know Bears fans are sitting there shaking in their boots about what the future might hold, whether it be Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or some combination of whoever they might get in the draft. And then watching Jordan Love throw for, I believe, a league high 32 touchdowns somewhere around there this season and then having one of the best games a first time starter in the playoffs has ever had the youngest team to ever win an NFL playoff game and also the first seven seed to win an NFL playoff game so uh, congrats to the nightmares that Bears fans will be having for uh, seemingly years to come with the ascension of Jordan Love and then the Lions, right? The the, the SOL, as the uh, the Stallion said during the broadcast tonight, Mike Tirico mentioned how in the Detroit area or in the Michigan uh, area that the, the, the SOL doesn't stand for what it used to stand for, but it stands for same old Lions. And for the last 32 years, they haven't won a playoff football game. And by God. A man named Goff came to save the day. You know, it's usually how it goes. Shout out to Jared Goff and, and the Detroit Lions. Hey, the Rams, 
nobody expected them to be really good this year at all. So the fact that they snuck into the playoffs and gave themselves a proper showing and our guy, Tony Gills, dude, Puka Nakua uh, going crazy. When I last checked, he had nine catches in a buck 82, uh, broke the rookie record that was set by DK Metcalf. So they got pieces galore and they're going to be good for a while, uh, seemingly whether, whether Matt Stafford is there or not going forward. Uh, now, of course the quarterback position matters. And I got into a lot of fights on Twitter about that and probably was, um, uh, misconstrued and, and and confused a lot of people as to why I think the NFL product has become what it's become. Because for whatever reason, we can say this about the NBA, about three-point shots, and we can say it about baseball, and you've heard it on this pod before. We can say all these things about all the other sports and how the game has kind of been you know, homogenized to be one thing and one thing only, and baseball is strikeouts or home runs and nothing in between, you know, three true outcome players, and now they've changed so many rules and they changed three rules in the last three or four years and hadn't changed the rule in the previous 65 for a reason because the product was suffering i think the same thing is happening in the nfl where you've got guys who shouldn't be deemed throwers of the football every single down but the rules have to i guess you've litigated that into the game to be honest with you that throwing is the best uh avenue to pursue when you're trying to win or sustain some type of success especially offensively but the problem is I'm not entertained as a consumer the same way the NBA right now has an issue with everyone shooting threes. I'm all for moving the three point line back a good foot to see if some of these deep three point shooters can finally be the only shooters on the court. But hey, that's the get off my lawn portion of this pod. And I know all of y'all are dying to hear what I have to say uh, about the NFL being once again this season. But I want to take us to what happened uh, on was it Friday night? Friday night, there was a Ring of Honor ceremony. Now, I went to the Ring of Honor gala Thursday night that the Bulls and everybody uh, attended, uh, you know, the, the the former Bulls that were in attendance and all the people uh, that worked for the team and, you know, Adam Amin and Stacey King, guys who I work with on NBC Sports Chicago, did a great job of uh, kind of emceeing the thing. Um, it was a, it was a decent night. And then it was followed up by one of the worst nights, I believe in Chicago sports history. And you might say, Hey Jay, you put a little bit too much sauce on that. It, it can't be that bad. It couldn't have been that bad. Well, yeah, it was that bad. And, and it was a nationwide story. Now there's nothing that hasn't been said in these last two days, um, that I don't echo in terms of it being classless and, kind of off base to boo not only a dead man, right? Who didn't commit any crimes, right? He's not involved in any kind of thing that you would, uh, you would abhor as a parent or as a human, you know, or, you know, th- there's a lot of things out there that, that we hear people engaging in and they're deserving of booze. But for Jerry Krause and his widow, Thelma Krause to be subject to booing. Uh, and for all of those who saw the video footage of it. Uh, it was a lot louder in the arena because I was there. It was a lot louder in the arena than it came across on TV. So if you guys heard it on TV, the way I saw the video clips being uh, thrown about the internet, then just imagine it being 10 times louder inside that stadium. Now I've been on hand for many a sporting event in my life, many, some terrific, some action packed, some just downright born, some charged with all the energy of the world. And I can't recall a time that I have had uh, a sense of um, just utter disappointment 
utter disappointment. And it's not this, this isn't what Chicago does, because guess what? Uh, this is the same city that had a couple of dudes run on the field and beat the out of a, uh, a first base coach with the, with the, the Legue brothers, Tom Gamboa, uh, back, uh, back in the day when, when the Kansas City Royals first base coach was just doing his job and all of a sudden two dudes, a father and son combo at that, run out of the uh, Comiskey Park uh, stands or U.S. Cellular Field stands and jump on the first base coach because they just had a few and were tired of whatever the Royals were doing. And who would have thought all these years later that the Royals would be such a big part of the Chicago White Sox infrastructure, huh? It's, it's kind of come full circle, right? Um, I'm not going to say this is not what fans do because I've never been a fan to boo. I, that's never been my style. I've never been the type to, to need to show the players on the field how, how, how much I am displeased with their involvement in the game or how, how dissatisfied I am with their lack of production or their lack of, of, of providing provision, uh, provision of entertainment. Nah, that, that's never, ever been my style. So if you boo, that's fine. I can't. Stop you from booing. I think it looks a little weird at times, you know, but knock yourself out. But in this moment where we are talking about and, and, and mind you, just being human sometimes is the answer. Right. Because I got a lot of weird dudes in my mentions trying to rationalize why the booing was going on and how you can blame it on someone else. Blame it on the Reinsdors, Blame it on the Bulls. Blame it on everyone else for not understanding that this would obviously happen if you put Jerry Krause's face up on the Jumbotron. And I say to myself, those people are wrong, too. Those people are wrong, too. Let me take you back. And, and this is why it is important. Um to understand how your team has been cultivated, why your team was successful and why you hold teams now to this day, to the standard that you do. Jerry Krause was the winningest general manager in Chicago sports franchise history, history. And you may say, well, he inherited, he inherited Michael Jordan. Well, guess what? It's been a lot of players, right? That have been inherited by GMs who have ultimately Done nothing with great players, okay? The Cleveland Cavaliers had LeBron James for seven years and couldn't put enough around him to get to a title. He left, okay? And if you want to go back to the last dance, well, God bless you. God bless you for thinking that Michael Jordan would characterize a dude who one time told him that you know who you still work for, right? And if you don't know, Look up Fred Mitchell's piece back in the day where he had a chance to talk to Jerry Krause. Fred Mitchell, one of the greats of all time in terms of sports journalists in this city, still kicking the day. Shout out to Freddie Mitch, the kicker himself. Um, you know, one of the one of the better dudes that you will ever meet in this city. Fred Mitchell we got a chance to look up and read some of Fred Mitchell's old stuff. He sat down with Jerry Krause back in the day and talked to him about the separation and why it happened, how it happened and what Jerry Krause actually was um, sorry that happened during his time at the end of that 98 season. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome back to the local angle right here on FanDuel TV. I'm John Zustremski, the host of New York, New York. And on this particular Super Wild Card weekend, there was no presence. There was no feel from the New York football teams. And you think about where we were a year ago this exact weekend. It looked like the New York Giants were in the middle of this great renaissance. It was Brian Dable winning a playoff game in his first year. It was Daniel Jones going to Minnesota and winning on the road against the Vikings and Jefferson and Cousins. And you you wondered if it was the start of something for this coach-quarterback combo. And I, I think we learned after the Philadelphia playoff game, and I think we learned after what transpired throughout this 2023 season, it's not going to be this coach-quarterback combo from a year ago that had the good feelings, that had everything go right against the Minnesota Vikings last year. Giants have their coach. Giants are most certainly in the process of trying to go and find their quarterback. Now, one of the big takeaways I had on Wild Card Weekend, and to me it was one of the more jaw-dropping performances on Wild Card Weekend, is what you got and what you saw out of C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud, who has been hands down the best rookie quarterback this year, has been one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've seen in the last 10 years, goes and basically has a perfect quarterback rating, smokes one of the better defenses in the league, and now has the Houston Texans, despite the fact that they were one of the worst teams in the NFL just a year ago, a couple wins away from the Super Bowl. It's insane to think about how one individual alongside D'Amico Ryans, of course, totally transformed and totally changed the entire vibe, feel, mood, look of that franchise. So as we get into January, as we get into February and March, and we move closer to the NFL draft, my challenge to the Giants, my challenge to Joe Shane, my challenge to Brian Dable, my challenge to everybody that is a part of that organization, can you go somehow, some way, and find a difference maker at the most important position on the field that can maybe, somehow, some way, jumpstart your franchise the way C.J. Stroud has been able to jumpstart the Houston Texans. That's my task. That's my assignment for Big Blue this offseason. Now, to hit on somebody as good as C.J. Stroud, that's going to be a tough ask. Not every rookie quarterback performs at this level, plays to this sort of capability. Doesn't always happen. But if you're looking for reasons to maybe dream big in January, 
Look at what Brian Dable was able to do with Tommy DeVito. Think about it for a minute. Tommy DeVito won a game against the team that is playing in the divisional round this year. Tommy DeVito, because he was coached up, he was able to be nurtured and cultivated and at least for a few games, looked like somebody who had a clue at the quarterback position. Now, this is not to say that Tommy DeVito is the answer for the Giants. We all know he is not. But what I'm getting at here is if Dable could do quality things with DeVito, if Dable can go and get Tyrod Taylor playing great after missing a whole lot of time down the stretch, if Dable a year ago can go and get Daniel Jones to go and win a playoff game, Aren't you excited as a Giant fan to see what he could do with a young quarterback that's going to be in his building under his guidance from Jump Street? After all, think about the difference that Brian Dable made in Josh Allen's life and how Josh Allen in many ways transformed once Brian Dable started calling the plays and came over from Alabama. That is what I'm fantasizing about if I'm a Giant fan. Is it to say that we'll be sitting here at this time next year and the Giants are going to be a team that wins a playoff game? That might be a little bit of a stretch, but it is the NFL. And we do see weird narratives and storylines take shape. Like Jared Goff beating Matthew Stafford. Like C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans winning a playoff game. Like Jordan Love in his first year as a starting quarterback going down to Dallas and smoking the Cowboys. We see elements like this throughout a postseason. So, I'm a Giant fan. Can I go and find something close to C.J. Stroud? That's my S for the offseason. It might be ambitious. It might be shooting for the stars, but hey. I know a lot of you probably have lofty and unreasonable and irrational New Year's resolutions. I like to dream big. I like to think big. As realistic as I can, yeah, sure. But you want to have something that you're aspiring to. That, to me, is something the Giants should be aspiring to here in 2024. Now, there's a narrative out there, and I kind of want to silence it for a moment. And this is not anyway to take away from what Jordan Love did today for the Green Bay Packers. He was fantastic. He torched the Cowboys. He made some unbelievable throws, finding Dobbs, the mobility, throwing the ball down the field. I wish my quarterback looked like that in the cold in Kansas City. But it was a spectacular performance by Jordan Love winning his first playoff game and sending the Dallas Cowboys home and perhaps sending Mike McCarthy to the unemployment line. But there's this whole narrative out there about, oh, this makes Aaron Rodgers look terrible. This makes Aaron Rodgers look terrible. Look, Aaron Rodgers has had enough bad things go on for him throughout the course of 2023 and early 2024, from the Achilles to his weekly spots on McAfee to, to all the nonsense that went on with Jimmy Kimmel over the course of the week. All right, that is the storyline. That is something where you can say, all right, the quarterback looks bad. Jordan Love was on a team that was well under 500 this year. A team that looked like they were going nowhere fast. He 
in the middle of this year looked like a quarterback that was going nowhere fast. I, for one, do not see any sort of correlation here from like a Rodgers-Jets perspective. Now, if you want to tell me from a hacker perspective, they come out smelling like roses, that's a different conversation. They do look good for mutually parting ways with Aaron Rodgers, basically, and, you know, adhering to his demand of being traded to the New York Jets. Because it's what they wanted. They wanted to transition with the quarterback they drafted in the first round. Might have cost Aaron Rodgers a couple of years of the late prime not having a big weapon, maybe not having a big receiver. I don't know, like, the, like the T. Higgins or Michael Pittman, just uh, for starters. That comes home to roost. But this is not about Rodgers. This is about Love and the Packers continuing on this just like never-ending cycle of being relevant, of being good. And I don't know if the progression for Green Bay is going to be as seamless as far to Rodgers. I mean, that's going to go down as one of the best transitions that we've ever seen from any franchise when it comes to a quarterback going from one to the next. Doesn't happen. Could you imagine if we're saying, wow, they went from Favre to Rodgers to Love? Not fair. I mean, think about the teams that you root for and think about how many quarterbacks so many teams go through as they're searching for that guy. It's name after name after name. I don't think this is about Rodgers looking bad. To me, this is about Love and the Packers looking good. And boy, did they look good against the Dallas Cowboys. This vindicated everything they did down the stretch of this year. And they're the perfect example of a team that's playing with the utmost house money across the board. House money. Didn't expect to be in the playoffs late. Find a way in. Win a Week 18 game. And oh, by the way, go win a playoff game and score 50-something points against the Dallas Cowboys. Absolutely incredible stuff. Glad Wildcard Weekend provided at least one watchable game. You didn't get one in the frigid cold in Kansas City. You didn't get one in Houston, Texas. And you didn't get one down in Big D. You did get one with Jared Goff getting the last laugh on Sean McVay. What a rough night. And the Los Angeles Rams. So hopefully the Monday of Super Wildcard Weekend, which now has an extended doubleheader thanks to the weather, will provide more drama like we saw on Sunday night, not the uh, three thuds that we saw earlier Deck. That's going to do it for this edition of The Local Angle. Enjoy the Super Wild Card Weekend games. We'll have a lot more Ringer content coming your way on FanDuel TV, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Local Angle. John Zuschemski signing off. Enjoy your Monday. Be good, everybody. Yeah.